This is Ed Cohen, editor of globalbusinessnews.net and Global HR News and talk show host on Global Radio. Our special guest today is Wendy Kendall from the UK. Wendy Kendall is a psychologist and she's a business person also, wendykendall.com. So this is Global Radio Talk Show, a broadcast service of Global HR News. And I want to quickly just say hello and welcome to Wendy Kendall. Hi, Ed. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me to Thank the conversation. You. <laughs> Thank you for doing this again. So Wendy Kendall, if I may just give a little intro here, is a former British military psychologist. And in that role, she recognized key parallels between the strategies for high-impact military leadership performance and transitioning influential corporate leaders across the globe. Applying similar principles, she coached executives to create impact and value in their international outside industry and stretch assignments, promoting competitive advantage, lowering the risk of costly assignment failures. Wendy Kendall has created executive leadership tools and programs for global companies, enabling them to better capitalize on their employees' talents, and how to measure talent ROI, which is, of course, the holy grail. So, Wendy, what is going on in the world from your perspective about the value of moving across borders? And do business people in the UK still value the idea of moving across borders? Thanks, Ed. Yeah, I think uh, it's a really great point, especially that last one you uh, asked there. Definitely in terms of the global companies that I work with, people still see and experience the value of moving across borders. I mean, I work with um, people within the UK who have moved here in order to help grow the company that they're working for. And also with people who've moved from this country to other countries, Europe, Scandinavia, Asia, and, and, and so on, where for them, it's absolutely critical that they able to work overseas and that they are able to demonstrate and show that they're creating value by doing that. And also if I, you know, when I talk to people who are running smaller businesses, I think because of technology and the way that the economy has changed, small businesses are able to become international much sooner in their life cycle than they may have done maybe 10, 15 or 20 years ago. And so we have a situation where even quite small companies with maybe five or six people are operating around the world. They might be bringing in talent from around the world and so on. And so they definitely are still connected to that global economy and they still see the value in moving people across borders. So, well, yeah, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I want to ask you about employer branding. So the employer brand and you know mm -hmm. public relations, of course, but it's a perception not only of customers and, of course, employees, but also competitors, not to mention governments. So when companies are relocating staff, not just executives, but staff across borders, that's an enormous responsibility for the company, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I say that moving people across a border is the one thing that organizations do that causes people to fracture their personal and professional lives. I can't think 
of any other thing an organization would do, you know, a regular company that asks them to do that. And so it's a tremendous responsibility. It's a big opportunity and there is a huge amount of growth potential in it, but there's risk associated with it that doesn't come with many other types of job moves. So a lot has to do with, I mean, mean, let's just think about this for a second. A company asks the employee to disrupt their life, disrupt not only their life, but the unsuspecting, the kids, the spouse. And what about their own relations and their own lifestyle and their own sense of place? I mean, the company is asking for trouble. Yeah, they're certainly creating risk, that's for sure. And in terms of having, so this comes back to something that really hit home for me when I moved overseas because of my husband's employer as well. And that was many years ago and kind of perspective and understanding has moved on since then. But essentially, we had conversations around what is going to make this move worth for us as a family. But those conversations were not prompted by my husband's employer. They were conversations that we had between us. And I remember subsequently, we were asked by that employer at the time, following our move, if we would give a kind of write-up about our experience. And in a very honest way, we just said, well, look, this was a conversation we had. What's going to make this worth it? Let's think about the impact. You know, How are we going to make sure that as a family, we grow and benefit from this move. And so we talked about the opportunity in terms of the place that the children will be able to grow up and, and so on and so forth. These are things that were of value to us as a family. And I remember at the time, the employer came back and said, well, we can't print that in our internal magazine, you know. <laughs> you, you meant to be kind of just talking about things like moving your boxes and <laughs> all the kind of pragmatic challenges. So for them at the time, they weren't ready to have that conversation because they were fearful of setting up expectations around international job moves and what people would get out of it. Um, I think nevertheless, it's really important to get the family, just just as you would with the person, you know, the professional person move doing that job move, what's going to make it worth it to the organization to the local team that that person's moving to, to the manager that person will be working for, and to that individual for their career. What's going to make it worth it for them? And then on the other side with the family, what's going to make it worth it to those family members so that we can have a mind about what is the growth we're looking for here? And I think that mindset around focusing on the growth opportunities is a critical step. So let's just stop for a second. The questions that need to be asked, should be asked, it's humanistic to ask what value, you could probably say it better than me, but what value does the company gain from asking people to yeah, exactly. Uh, walk the tightrope? I mean, to encounter this risk. And the other is what value does it bring to the employee? Yes, it's a great question because the way that we phrase questions determines the answers we get. I know that sounds like a really obvious statement, but sometimes we kind of forget that. So if we think about what value does the company gain from asking people to walk this tightrope, 
think we can kind of decouple those two ideas. First of all, let's think about what value can the company gain and what value can the individual gain and how do we create alignment on that? And then recognizing that there is risk associated with moving people across borders, fracturing that personal and professional life. How do we manage that risk? How do we build in resilience? How do we give resources and support so that we reduce risk and increase the value potential that's there inherent in the move? So let's just role play for a second here. You being the uh, the shrink for a minute. Um, right. <laughs> that's um, not a role play, right? I'm a psychologist. So, <laughs> I'm a trailing spouse and you're the boss, you know, being moved to be the boss of new people. And so what am I going to do? I got to make a living. What yeah. about my club membership? And what about the kids? You know, they're not going to have any friends. Yeah. They're going to be moping around and we're going to have to spend time dealing with all of that. What's the benefit here? Um, so I think we have to look at what people want out of life. What do you want out of life? If what you want to see around you, what you want to experience is a life that is really straightforward and simple and just easy, that you want that kind of steady state, then probably disrupting it by moving across a border, as long as you feel as though you just want that steady state, then putting a massive disruption into it is not going to be necessarily the best choice for you. I've seen people who are at different parts of their career. So, you know, they, you know, executives who are very willing to maybe 10 years to move around the world. And then they say, you know what, for whatever reason, it's not always the children's schooling or for whatever reason, I want some steady state for a while. Um, companies have got to kind of get their head around that. Um, people don't always want to be disrupting every two to three years. It's kind of normal that they want steady state. Then that's probably not the right choice right now. In the event that you want to embrace new experiences, that you want to challenge yourself, that you want to see different horizons, that you want to mix it up and shake it up a bit, then Putting yourself through or, or planning for a move across the border can be a really exciting and stimulating and creative opportunity. So let me ask you now, again, role-playing and how to think about this. So I am my own person, and I have a long history of doing things my own way. And now I'm going into a new culture, a new place, yeah. a new culture, and I'm not going to fit in. I'm going to be a round peg in a square hole. So am I expected to change? And are people going to talk to me? I mean, how can I bring value? How can I grow? Yes. One of the amazing opportunities with an international job move is going somewhere where you are now bringing in an outside perspective. And so if there's one thing I would say in this kind of new world, you know, fourth industrial revolution, hyper-connected kind of world that we're living in, where the, you know, there's such speed of change and where we're looking for more innovation and more creativity. Coming in from the outside means you bring a fresh pair of eyes and a fresh perspective. And that's different from what might have gone on before, where you might have been expected to just go and learn how to be like everybody else in order to fit in. Now, 
you know, there's less power in that. So you invest so much time, energy, money, so does the company in you moving overseas. Um, if you are able to harness all of those differences, all of those things that make you unique and that fresh perspective that you bring, and essentially what we're looking at is you engaging with your team members around you and with your peers and with your kind of managers and leaders in your area and ask the questions that nobody's necessarily asking. Bring new ideas. Might have been commonplace for you where you were working previously, but that these guys haven't heard of yet. So all of that diversity. So this is essentially about harnessing or creating diversity by moving people across a border. And there's no doubt about it. It's not always the easiest place to be, somebody who is there as a bit of a disruptor. But that's something for you to kind of look forward to in terms of developing your leadership brand as well. So somebody who can create and provoke innovation, new ideas, change, and so on. And especially for very senior leaders, not always, but for senior leaders, that ability to shake things up, to change, to provoke transformation is where some of the biggest value is of moving people across border. So the idea would be to not worry about fitting in, essentially, but just to keep my own identity. Exactly. So it's that openness. So if we think about what's going to help you, um, being able to engage other people in open communication, ask questions, share your perspective, um, that's a great skill to bring. Put your listening ears on as well, you know, and ask the questions that people might not think to ask otherwise. Um, there was some uh, research done uh, in 2015 by a guy, guy called Andrew Kakababsi, who is a professor at Henley Business School in London. He pointed out that by bringing those fresh perspectives in, you help leadership teams to avoid something called groupthink, which is a real risk when it comes to corporate failures. So when leadership teams all start to think the same way and don't point out the obvious kind of flaws or ask the not so obvious questions, that's when leadership teams can tend towards failure. So it's really important that we have people like you coming into the team from outside and you know, not necessarily being there to, you know, to drive conflict, but in a very constructive and open way to be open to other people's perspectives, but also to sharing your different perspectives. So doing so would mitigate the risks of the U-shaped? The U-shaped integration curve. <laughs> so the U-shaped integration curve is a model that kind of describes how people go through a bit of a honeymoon period to start with, and then they can get into the doldrums in terms of culture shock and so on. And what I suggest is by planning for a kind of growth curve as opposed to that, that U-shaped dip in performance. So the way in which you would plan for a growth curve is, first of all, by working on developing your relationships with people. So the first step is build trust with the people that you meet in your new job, in your new team, in your new environment. That means being um, 
kind of credible. It means being authentic. It means being consistent. It means being able to explain to them why you are here and what value you bring as opposed to the local hire that they might have been anticipating. So being able to develop those relationships early on and start to build trust early on is really important. In order to then start kind of getting up that growth curve and that learning curve, what we're looking at then is you being able to kind of reach out and create impact with the people around you. And that means connecting with them, inviting them into a new vision and a new story. If you're leading a department and you're there with your new perspective and your fresh eyes, through that connection and through those conversations and by building trust with the people around you, what starts to become apparent is a new vision and some new ideas about the direction that you could take this part of the company, some new value that can be created. Can we do things differently? So your arrival there essentially says, I'm here to try and do things differently. And then you're saying, look, you guys know me now. Let's think about what we're going to do differently. And then engaging with them to start creating that change locally, um, influencing different types of influence. So being able to influence both in terms of persuasion and also by listening and those softer skills of influence. All of those are really important too. And then finally, sharing with the rest of the company the success story that you've had. And that's one area where I would say companies could really harness a lot of value in the overseas job moves that they kind of paying for, which is share how what has happened during those assignments that has created such value locally and help the company to understand. If I give an example, you know, if I'm working with somebody and they might have moved from maybe South America into Europe and they might be there to think about how to develop an automation roadmap in that part of the world. And so they've got all their new ideas and they're working with their European colleagues and colleagues from around the world and so on. And they do a great job. Well, then Let's think about what we've just learned from that experience as a company and share that with the rest of the company as well. And by doing that, you reinvest some of the value that you've created by moving that person and and you share that knowledge with the rest of the company. So go and present that at an internal conference. Write a paper on it that gets shared with the senior leadership team in Asia or Australasia and see what they can think about it. You know, network with people and share your experiences. You can guarantee if you don't do that in three years' time, someone's going to be paying one of the big four consultancies more than a million dollars to do the same thing. So share your internal knowledge and your internal networks. So I'm on assignment, and then something weird happens, and it results in like a crash. When the depression starts, right? Sure, yeah. So let's think about how to not get to that place. We know that's a risk, how to kind of not get there. Um, First of all, thinking about what are your personal risk factors in terms of moving overseas. So if you know that you have been challenged in the past in terms of stress or in terms of burnout, just have a think about what are the things that you can do. And you can work with somebody like a psychologist to just do a bit of a personal stress audit and a bit of an adversity check to understand what are your 
personal stressors. I think one of the big risks that I see happen, which people don't necessarily talk about so much, is you know there's such pressure on people to hit the ground running, and they stay in that mode until they until they crash. So this whole thing of literally being on the hamster wheel and just working and working and working and working. Um, although it feels like it's really necessary, you must understand that it's a risk when you do that because you've fractured that personal and professional life. You don't have the support systems around you that you may have had previously. So you need to look at how are you looking after yourself? How are you eating? How are you the real hygiene basics? Eating, sleeping, time with friends, time off, closing down the computer, um, spending time with your family who themselves have gone through a big disruption. So that's really important that you do that. By working on developing your relationships early on in your assignment, you start to develop more of a support network. You should think about doing that outside of work a little bit as well. Um, Spend some time if you can at the weekends and so on. Join a new sports club. um, Meet some new people and so on. And also don't forget, if you can, keep in touch with the people back home. You know, being able to keep in touch with those relationships which were so meaningful to you. They go through change when you've moved overseas. There's no doubt about it. But the biggest change is often when we just stop calling people that we used to see regularly back home because we feel like, oh, you know, they're busy, I'm busy, and before you know it, six months has passed. So put it in your diary and do that as well. That helps to insulate you and avoid crashing, and it also gives you a support network to come back to if you get to that stage or if something happens that puts you in that place. So you'd recommend having Skype video call or Zoom or or FaceTime or whatever. For sure. That's why we, you know, organize a Zoom lunch with somebody. (laughs) Depending on where you are in the world, it may be that you're having to have a Zoom supper or somebody's having a Zoom breakfast. (laughs) But you can, you know, some of these platforms are so great now. It's almost like the technology kind of recedes and you're just able to have a really fluent conversation with them. So, so yeah, do that. And think about that for your family as well. Um, often because the, you know, the family are there trying to get themselves oriented and established, whereas in work we have a ready-made network waiting and available for us when we choose to tap into it. So, Wendy, how can people get in touch with you? Through my website, wendykendall.com, and also connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm yeah, just under my name on there. Um, I think if they're connected with you as well, um, Ed, you and I connected on LinkedIn. You probably see me in Ed's connections list somewhere. <laughs> you can't find me otherwise. Yeah, it's been great. So thank you for sharing your wisdom, but the perspective is so practical. So what do you think of the newer services of, there's a company called betterhelp.com, which is made up of psychologists and, and others in the medical field, a licensed therapists, and they are trying to break through the mobility side of things, and it's meeting with some resistance because, oh, yeah, companies are reluctant to 
get involved, to recommend, or to do anything. Mm. So yeah, and um, it's hard to know why like that would be. But um, I mean, here in the UK, anyway, we've just had, for example, men- Mental Health Awareness Week. So I don't know what's happening in the US or where this company is based, for example. But I mean, we know in the world that we can do more to talk about our mental well-being. I mean, I don't know this company, I don't know their situation, but I would say generally here anyway in the UK, and I think a little bit more across Europe as well, companies are becoming more alive to the need to look after the mental health of their employees. Not a stigma. Exactly, exactly. And so it would make sense to me, of course. I mean, I also offer psychological services, although, you know, I'm looking at the, let's say, the zero to positive as opposed to the negative to zero side of the dimension. Does that make sense when I say that? Yeah. So if we think yeah. about therapy as, as bringing people from a minus number up to zero, a little bit beyond, and then what I do is coaching the other side of that and improving performance and so on. But obviously, you know, people may be moving across borders. They may not have felt comfortable previously disclosing to an employer that in the past they've had challenges around mental health issues. It may even be that they've worked on that, that they've been really great, that they've felt great, and then haven't anticipated or even been able to predict. It's not always predictable that that destabilizing factor of moving overseas can bring back some kind of difficulties that they may have experienced previously. So for me, again, from a risk management point of view, it makes sense that companies, generally speaking, talk openly about mental health and and so on. You know, it's such a common issue. One in three people in their lifetime will experience mental health difficulties. The thing is, this whole idea of in our lifetime means that the majority of us at some point will experience a mental health challenge of some description. And that, you know, there's just the normal, the run of the mill challenges that we experience. And and that can happen to somebody who's overseas, just as it can happen if you, you know, you move to a job 10 blocks down from where you are now. Um, You know, divorces happen, people get sick, parents get older, etc. So, yeah. It makes sense to me that a company would think about looking after the mental health of, and well-being of their clients and that they would think about how they can Im- help those people and support those people in improving their performance as well. Thank you, Wendy Kendall. WendyKendall.com. This has been delightful and very educational. So we're going to sign off. This yeah. is Ed Cohen in San Diego, and that's Wendy Kendall in UK. So thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Ed. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Yes, I think to myself What a wonderful 